gin, because it's just something a little bit more sophisticated, I feel mm. like it's like, it's vodka, but it's a flavored vodka with juniper, and I wasn't a complete piece of shit, so um, it's probably very pretentious of me, but, you know, I thought I was better because I was drinking gin, and then people at bars would make fun of me because I would order, you know, like a a boiler maker of sorts, a beer mm. and a shot. I would get like a beer and a shot of gin and the bartenders would make them weird. <laughs> anyway, gin is probably my favorite spirit. Mm-hmm. And usually I have diet Coke, diet root beer, all these diet products at home because of soda stream. Um, and then gin diet just because that's what I had. Okay. And it's, um, now it's just more of a funny thing. Yeah. So there you go, gin diet. Cheers. We are joined today by Joe, cocktail enthusiast, bartender, and a lover of Italian Amaro. Yeah, hell yeah. Is this tomatoes that you grew? No, I wish. Are you guys They're uh, Campari tomatoes from Publix. <laughs> oh, I like the name. Welcome back to Fermented Follies. Today we are enjoying sourdough focaccia. My name is Joe Darty, newly 35 years old from uh, New York. Grew up in Long Island and um, the suburbs, Suffolk okay. County. Um, so lived there till I was probably 21 years old. Um, didn't love it. I loved living there. I loved growing up there, but a lot of my friends went to college in the city and I would visit them every now and then. And we would just have crazy debaucherous fun times. And I loved that. And then I would come home and not have that and just kind of like, you know, I have a fine life, but I just was bored. So I moved to Brooklyn, Williamsburg, lived there for about 10 and a half years, uh, met my now wife there on a Tinder date. I was going between shitty jobs that just didn't mean anything. It was just a paycheck, kind of lost, but I would have this interest in alcohol. Now, started with me just like drinking, but then I watched Mad Men, saw Don Draper drinking in old fashioned and thought that was cool. He looked cool, even though he's a womanizing, horrible piece of shit character yeah. uh, for the most part. He, uh, he just looked cool with a drink in his hand kind yeah. of deal. And I thought that was cool as shit. So I looked up old fashioned, made it, uh, made it just terribly but uh, did the whole muddling of like tangerine and like those radioactive red uh, cherries that you would get for 99 cents. Uh, (laughs) Maker's Mark I would use initially. So that's what got me into booze is a Maker's Mark old fashioned. Then I would just get Evan Williams or anything real cheap, Mm -hmm. Old Crow or some shit. And then 
use the wrong kind of bitters. I would use Peychaud's and instead of Ango. And it eventually led to me liking the craft, but at a just doing it at home, making it for friends that come over. Uh, loved going to the liquor store, trying these new things to uh, check out by only cocktail books to, that would um, kind of teach me about technique and craft mm-hmm. and how to do things as opposed to this way, as opposed to the other way, and just kind of really dive into the culture of it all and then learn recipes, see a recipe, holy shit, what's that? What's Benedictine? I don't know. Let me go buy it. So yeah. I would do that and uh, just kind of flourished from there. And I didn't want to work in the bar industry in New York because it like terrified me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's very scary and very um, just elitist. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to work those hours um, and start from the ground up. And I already felt like I was old then, mm-hmm. five years ago. And I just thought, I don't know, I don't have the time for this. But came to Nashville visiting a couple of years back and every time I went to a new place I wanted to check out a local distillery so I checked out Corsair and I loved it just fell in love with the brand I thought they were doing things that other people weren't when I was looking for a job in Nashville while I was still in New York I reached out to him basically was like yeah I'm going to be moving there in a couple months too bad you guys aren't hiring and he said, well, when, you move, when are you going to be here? And he kind of saved the role for me. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, I've never bartended in my life, so I was yeah. kind of scared of that. But you can teach how to mix a drink and how to pour a beer, but you can't really teach the um, interest in the craft or interest in booze, distilling, mm-hmm. beer, cocktails. At least um, I enjoy where I'm at. Yeah. And I uh, say that I faked it till I make it because I just didn't know the first thing and I got hired and I learned and I had wonderful people that I worked with that showed me the way of how to do things mm-hmm. while also showing people how to do things as well. Because like I said, I would be reading all these books and kind of knowing techniques and different ratios of syrups and the why, the who, the what, the where of the booze world that, mm-hmm. you know. I'm always, I love to teach people about that stuff, that they're willing to, or they give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm in a good spot right now, and with a lot of great people that work at Corsair, I think everyone, um, I think we have a really great crew of people that care. We paired the focaccia with a seared ribeye steak and tomato romesco sauce. So this is uh, the remnants of a meal plan. Uh, I, uh, no, this is I remade it because I didn't like how Martha Stewart did it. Okay. So should, they sent two little three-ounce little steaks. Not these. Not these. No, the, not okay. these. Two, two of those and then, you know, this, like, sauce that you put together, a bunch mm-hmm. of ingredients. And then a single, like, ciabatta roll. Like the square, like a single ciabatta roll. Mm-hmm. And I was just, it just pissed me off. Uh, this was, is supposed to, it's not HelloFresh, it's the Martha Stewart's version right. of HelloFresh. I believe I've had hers before, and um, I think Leah and myself also were like, meh. So, what is this um, 
sauce that's on top of the steak? Um, it's a romesco sauce. Um, roasted red peppers, mm. roasted garlic. This Martha Stewart meal was the last time I had it, and I said I could do that better. Great. Martha Stewart. Yeah, fuck you, Martha Stewart. Um, so we got sourdough focaccia. What you make? Yes, that's the fermented thing on the plate here. When you're making bread, they call it bulk fermentation. It's like the biggest stage of just waiting for the bread to rise, basically. The biggest thing you play around with is time and temperature. Okay. So the last time I did this, I did kind of a quick, it was like a three hour fermentation at a higher temperature, like 85 degrees. And this time it sat over on the counter for 15 hours at, it's like 70 degrees in here. Cool. So I think that's where you get a lot of the that's where a lot of the structure comes from. I feel like I need to start making sauce. In my situation, half Italian, half Irish, my dad made sauce. My dad has been an executive chef for most of his life. At a catering hall, at, oh, I, uh, co-owned a family restaurant that we had and he helped create the menu there. With sauce, it was funny because my Italian side, I think, got the recipe from my dad. It's not gravy. It's gravy if you're some piece of shit Paramus idiot from Jersey. Gravy is a brown sauce that you put on fucking turkey. Get out of here. <laughs> there's no there's no debate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's a yum that I will yuck. I wish I remembered my first Fernet Branca experience because Fernet Branca is considered the bartender's handshake. A shot of that. And um, I wish I remembered when or why I had it uh, because it's something so pivotal in me that I love it. And it made me interested in the bitters mm. and the whole Amari. Um, which is uh, Italian for bitter, Amaro. I know that. Yeah. Amaro is like a bitter-focused liqueur. So it's going to be this base spirit, let's just say a neutral grain spirit, like vodka, something that's just plain Jane. Um, some of them are with a grappa base, a wine base mm -hmm. kind of thing, um, fortified. And you're adding a bunch of spices, sparks, uh, just bittering agents to it all to get it like a certain kind of uh, flavor profile, maybe even menthol-y, kind of medicinal. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're gonna sweeten it up, sweeten it up with, you know, it's basic as a simple syrup. So it's kind mm -hmm. of sugar water or some honey or something like that. So it's going to be a, a lower ABV kind of thing. Uh, great for modifiers and cocktails. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is just that. It's a sweet-ish bitter liqueur Wonderful in the digestif type of form of uh, after dinner, after a good hearty meal. Mm -hmm. You have a little sip of that to kind of help your digestive system. It's just kind of a, you know, alcohol was pretty much considered medicine back in the day. Mm -hmm. And this is using all these uh, witchcraft elements of, uh, you know, help what ails you. And um, there's just kind of, uh, Talking about Fernet Branca, uh, Branca is the brand, Fernet is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of uh, way more on the bitter 
section of the Amaro family. Yeah. Um, and definitely very menthol-y. I just love that shit. And it, I, I bought this book from, uh, his name's B.T. Parsons, Brad Thomas Parsons. He's a spirits writer and he focuses on bitters and Amaro. Mm. And basically it's this catch-all of what Amaro is, um, all these different recipes, all these different um, brands and whatnot. So I just went on a fucking tangent and just bought every, anything that was dark brown medicinal from Italy, basically, mm. uh, at the liquor store. Um, and just Fernet Branca was the one thing that I always loved. And, and uh, you know, if you shoot Fernet Branca and you don't tell someone about it, is it re- did it really happen? You know? <laughs> so um, Fernet is that gateway kind of Amaro. And then you kind of go to maybe Amaro Montenegro next or Ramazzotti or uh, Maletti or something like that. You kind of keep on going down the chain and you taste the subtle differences of things mm-hmm. and you kind of keep on going while your bar cart kind of grows. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I I just think it's a fun thing. I just think I love modifiers. I love, like, liqueurs. I love, like, chartreuse or, like, Benedictine mm-hmm. or different bitters, you know. It's, it's fun with cocktails because it's, Cocktails is culinary where you can um, take an old-fashioned and swap some things out. So mm-hmm. if your old-fashioned usually is two ounces of rye, why don't you split it? Maybe do one ounce rye, one ounce apple brandy. Or why don't you go, um, instead of a Demerara syrup, why don't you try a honey syrup? Or mm-hmm. why don't you try a cinnamon syrup? Making a Manhattan. That one ounce of vermouth, why don't you do a half ounce of a sweet vermouth and half ounce of it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Kind of just sweeten it up, give it a little bitter aspect to it. Um, it's just fun to kind of use these to fuck around with. Yeah. I'm a firm believer of don't yuck someone's yum. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if someone likes it, it's there for a reason. I know there's this whole in the bar industry of like, fuck vodka. Vodka brings nothing to the table. I love seltzers. Those spiked seltzers and shit, I have a whole fridge full of those. If I see something new, I buy it up. Back to don't yuck someone's yum because there's an application for everything. And like vodka, people like, it brings nothing to the table, it's a blank spirit. But then sometimes, so what? It's bringing alcohol to the table and then use your modifiers you know, do some a melon juice, vodka, mm. habanero thing or some shit. I don't know. You know, to each their own. I think the one thing that kind of pisses me off maybe about the booze industry, I would drink the shit out of it, but the whole like Blanton's situation or like this kind of bourbon bullshit that people are, certain brands put out products that are so small batch that's like $3,000 a bottle and everyone is just like knocking down doors to get it. And there's no reason for it. Yeah. Because they can make more, um, but they want the lore and they want the like, oh shit, you got that? Can't believe it. But like, it'll stay unopened on someone's shelf and it's just like, look what I have. But who gives a shit? Yeah. Which is also something that I've been trying to do is if I get nice bottles, I don't really want to just keep them unopened and just like, well, I bought it, there it is, and it's exclusive, therefore it's going to stay there. Yeah. I feel like alcohol should be one of those things where you enjoy, 
and you share. Mm. So that's kind of something that I've been um, trying to adapt more. Yeah. Um, fucking share it. I've broken my wife. She has, uh, there is definitely in the beginning months of just, it depends. If I'm close with you, I'm gonna tell you how it is. If I don't really give a shit about you, then I'm just gonna be like, oh, word, all right, well, cool, later. <laughs> um, because I don't care yeah. that, you, that you know how I feel mm -hmm. or think. Now, in the case of my now wife, you know, I would curse all the time. She's like, what? If I'm just like, oh, get out of here, motherfucker. I don't mean that like you're a motherfucker, you motherfucker. It's just like, get out of here, friendo, you know? Or it's just, it's kind of a term of endearment, the curses. Um, so I definitely broke her. Um, but now she knows, I feel like she's adapted. It's definitely gotta be an East Coast thing that you talk with your hands, you curse all the time, and um, you say some pretty fucked up things sometimes. You mean it, sometimes you don't mean it. You're just saying it because it feels good. That's what I do, I curse and I say some real mean things sometimes, but I like it because it makes me feel good. <laughs> but I do like this game because it's a game that, um, so Leah, my wife, is from the Midwest and they, uh, they really like some of the things that I say. Yeah. because of how I say it. Mm. So whenever I say coffee, it's just, they think it's the funniest thing, C-A-W-F-E-E. -E. And it's, um, and then sometimes I put it on. Oh, coffee, come on. You want, yeah. you want a cup of coffee? I don't know, I guess, and, and you know, I also get a lot of times when I tell people I'm from New York, they kind of, uh, oh, well you don't sound like it. Yeah. Like you don't have that stupid twang to it where it's just like that, like what, what, exactly what I'm saying. It's like mm -hmm. these words that are like exaggerated kind of deal. I've even adapted y'all like crazy. Mm. I like y'all and y'all feels good. I think it's efficient. It is efficient. It's very efficient when you're talking. It's a collect, you could yeah. just collect everybody in that. How do y'all, how you guys doing today? Y'all yeah. want another round. Um, it just, it feels good. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know. But, yeah. Thanks so much for hanging out. Absolutely. Talking. Yeah. You want to just shout out where people can find your, uh, I don't know what's best, your drink uh, page on Instagram or? Sure. Uh, Bitter Botwin on Instagram. B-I-T-T-E-R-B-O-T-W-I-N. It was my drinkstagram kind of thing. Since working in the booze industry, it's definitely it's not my thing anymore. It's kind of, this is how my dad was being a chef. He would work all the time making meals for other people. When he get home, we would have Wendy's, you know? So when I get home, I go for a gin and diet. A gin and diet Coke. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not shaking some cocktail. I'm not stirring <laughs> something usually. I'm just pouring a one and two kind of deal. But yeah. Bitter bot one. Um, Hell, you could even follow Corsair Distillery on Instagram, see what's going on. Um, and you're the, what's your position there now? Uh, front of house manager. So it's, uh, I guess, connecting the dots of the front of house kind of deals, making sure uh, the cogs are turning and they're greased. 
Cheers. Hey guys, if you are interested in making the sourdough focaccia that Joe and I enjoyed on this episode, here is the recipe. Begin by weighing out in separate bowls 500 grams all-purpose flour, 375 grams water heated to roughly 90 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 grams of salt, and 150 grams of mature sourdough starter that was fed within the last 12 hours. Combine the flour, salt, and water and mix by hand until all the flour is incorporated. Spread the starter out over the top of the dough and begin combining by squeezing the dough through your fist until the starter is evenly incorporated into the dough. Rest the dough covered with a towel for 20 minutes. During the next two hours, let the dough rise while performing two folds spaced 30 minutes apart. To perform a fold, simply grab an end of the dough and fold over the rest of the dough. Turn 90 degrees and fold again. Do this two more times until the dough is folded four times. Complete this fold again in 30 minutes. After those two hours, the dough should be light and airy. If it is not, continue to rise until a piece of pinched off dough floats in water. Grease a large baking pan with at least two inch sidewalls with olive oil. Turn the dough out into the pan, spread to all corners, let it rest for 10 minutes. During that time, Preheat your oven to 475 degrees, positioning one oven rack near the bottom and one near the top. To achieve those iconic focaccia dimples, press your fingers into the dough, working across the surface one end to the other. For the final rise, let the dough rest for about 30 minutes. Bake 15 to 20 minutes on the bottom rack, then move the dough to the top rack and bake an additional 10 to 15 minutes or until golden brown. Cool on a wire rack, slice, and enjoy. Fermented Follies is a member of the Rock and Joe Podcast Network. Find them on YouTube to check out all their other great shows. The music in this episode features performances by Ashton Rock and Stephen DeRose. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. That is fermented underscore F-O-L-L-I-E-S. Fermented Follies. <laughs>